You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey, everyone. Tennis.com Podcast here with Pete Bodo. I'm Ed McGrogan. Uh, yesterday, we looked a little over what happened in the weekend in tennis, and today we're going to actually look forward a little bit um, to a piece that Pete will be writing on the site later this week. Uh, he actually just got back... Uh, few minutes ago from seeing a, uh, a highly touted uh, 13-year-old thirteen year old Ingrid Neal. Do I have that correct? Yes. Yeah. Can you um, explain particularly what uh, what drew you to there, where you go, where you went, et cetera? Well, it's an interesting, she's an interesting case because actually I come to know her mainly through her dad, who's who's a friend of a friend. And so we got to talking. They, we, they visited with us in Birmingham, Alabama during a Davis Cup tie. I got to meet the dad and Ingrid was there. And the dad was just, you know, saying that the girl loves to play tennis. And the interesting thing is she loves to serve in volley. So uh, the Neals are trying so to So you find, had to go cover it. Pardon me. Yeah, season, exactly. Yes. So I said, well, this is kind of interesting. And John McEnroe had seen her and was very impressed. He first question he looked at the mom Hildy and said, "Geez, you know, who taught her? You know, why? How, how's she playing like this in this day and age? She's playing relatively flat, you know, going for shots, going deep, and loves to volley and has a pretty good service action. She hits both balls flat at this point, which is not a bad thing because it's teaching her a certain amount of courage. She can put it in around eighty-five miles an hour. She can hit ninety, you know, with a little less control. And uh, you know, who knows? Maybe you know, maybe we get a different kind of a woman player out of it in the long run. But of course, it's too early to tell. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, Mr. McEnroe here. It, you haven't talked to him. I know about her. Yeah, I think that's possibly in the works. But is he? With his academy, um, is he actively seeking out players that were in uh, in his mold, the volley range in particular? Like, no, you know, I don't think I don't think he is. You know, I mean, I think he's looking at whoever is good, but he definitely has ideas about how to play. And I think he said, I think he has gone on record basically saying that the only thing he's going to teach is at academy. He said you're going to volley with a backhand grip, right. uh, or serve with a backhand grip. So, and you know, which of course is the old uh, sort of the continental to eastern you know type grip. Um, and so he is a classicist, but I think he's he's pretty aware of what's going on. I think it raises an interesting issue because I was talking with a couple of the pros there. Gilad Bloom is is his kind of head pro man in charge of the academy there. And there's there's a little bit of a difference in philosophies here. And one of the reasons Ingrid Neal has not committed, for instance, to the Macro Academy, uh, she's also considering Boletaries. She lives in Rochester, Minnesota right now at the Mayo Clinic where her dad works. And uh, Home of Bethany Maddox-Sands, I believe. There you go, exactly. Uh, Rochester, Minnesota. So, uh, you know, I think she's she's trying to figure out where to go. And, and you know, a lot of it has to do with, with what they're teaching. Now, I know she doesn't like the USA program particularly because Patrick McEnroe was kind of wedded to an all-court game with a little bit of less of that focus on forward moving. Now, I, I, having said that, I think if Patrick gets a hold of a player who likes to move forward, likes to serve and volley, whatever, I think those folks would, would do that. But their basic philosophy toward development has been really shaped by Jose Higueras, and so they're, they're really much more of a baseline all-court kind of a thing. So the Neals are looking for a place where they can really develop her her inclination to play attacking serve and volley type tennis, and that makes it makes certain decisions that you know it cuts down her options in some ways, opens up other options. So she's essentially a free agent, you you would call I basically because exactly. this is, this this doesn't um, you know I I particularly haven't uh, dug into the world of I guess junior tennis so often, but I know that the academies for sure always want to keep their rosters filled from from the bottom up and and, and everything. So is is it a did, about her? Did she start playing um, like when she was like 
two or three, do you know, or did she just recently come on? Like, what is kind of her early no, she history? started very young. She's basically a jock, you know. And yeah. her, she's got a brother, Harry, um, named, after, named after his dad. The dad's name is Harry as well. And both of them are very, very good players. Harry does not even take lessons. He hates the idea, but he's got unbelievable hands, apparently. And he's entirely different from her because he plays like a baseline game with lots of spins and stuff. She likes a flat kind of game. And she's she's very bright and very, very advanced for her age. She, she sees things. She knows what she wants to do. She knows how she wants to play. She knows what she likes. She's a kind of a student of the game at 13. So, you know, she's a, she's a very poised young lady, you know, very promising, which is also good because it means she'll, some of the head stuff she might have a good chance of figuring out. Yeah, and you said that she is all also um, like a lot of the top juniors already played up a little bit into the into the, um, you know, the higher age groups, for example. Can you just talk a little about how that uh how that works because there's obviously different tiers of, uh, you know, the 16s, the 18s, et cetera, and just a little about that. Well, you know, she's so good at this age. And, and again, you know, it's not unusual because really the great prodigies in tennis, certainly, and I'm not saying she is one of them at this point. She still has to prove herself. But the Tracy Austins, those, those women were playing you know, playing up two or three age divisions like Ingrid is. Now, there's always there's two sides to that argument. Some people say, and Tracy Austin has said, that, you know, you, you know, you really need to play your own age group as well because you need to prove that you can beat the girls who are in your age group, period. Now, I have no doubt that, you know, Ingrid Neal can beat these kids. She's not ducking anybody mm-hmm. by playing up. But it's true. There's less pressure on you playing up because you can always say you're playing against older girls. Therefore, if you lose in a second or third round or even a first round, it's not a big deal because they're older anyway. So, you know, uh, she actually has played up. She's playing up so much that her – you're supposed to your ranking points that you earn in tournaments that are of a higher grade than your age are supposed to basically filter down. But what the uh, Neils neglected to, to to know, what they didn't know actually, was that you know those points don't filter down unless you play at least one tournament in your age group. And you know Ingrid has not done that. She's been busy playing up, and she also played high school tennis. She led her Mayo high school team to, uh, she didn't lead them, you know, she was the number two, she played number two or three singles, and she was part of a national championship must have been a really, It must have been a good team if she was only two or three singles. I mean, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's stacked. Uh, the, um, just reminds me of the Jack Sock, who, who, or Mr. Jack Sock, who was unbeaten in high school and kept that's that exactly through, right. through senior year. So I know um, you're going to have more on her and, and kind of a little bit of a story of really how these well-established um, juniors kind of shape their early careers coming up um, in the next couple of days in the site. Let's flip to the other side of someone whose career may be winding down. Um, depending on how you, how you look at things, it's Serena Williams. And this uh, this morning in Brisbane, she actually won her match against uh, Bojana Jovanovski, but ended up pulling out after with an ankle injury. Um, we have a clip of that on the site you can check out on the first serve column. Um, and then this comes all off of a comment she made uh, yesterday, basically saying that she just has really no great passion for tennis at this point. And, um, and I guess you wrote a little about that yesterday. Um, just what was your reaction when you first read that, uh, coming from, uh, coming from Serena, who is 
made plenty of statements of this ilk before, really. Well, my own reaction and what I wrote essentially was that, you know, the only thing that surprises me about this, and I don't, I don't really blame her and I'm not calling her out. I don't want to, I don't want to accuse her of, of being spoiled or, or haughty or anything like that. The bottom line is just that this, at her age, basically hard approaching 30, right? You know, which 30, you, 30, yep. you don't, that's you know, you don't at this, you know, you got to have figured out by now that it's not just fun and love, you know, you know, you love the game in the abstract, you know, but basically after doing this for as many years as she has, I mean, she started when she was basically barely a, practically a toddler mm-hmm. and has worked so hard and put so much time in. There's such a thing as being professional. And when you're professional, you, you continue to do things, put your best foot forward and you do them in a way you know, that makes you proud and satisfied. You don't feel that great surge. You don't get that real thrill anymore. You know, I mean, is she, is she getting a huge thrill out of beating Jovan, uh, uh, Jovanovsky? You know, I doubt it. You know, so it's the same kind of thing. It carries over. And I just, I was just a little bit disappointed that she kind of st- either hasn't figured that out or, you know, the alternative, maybe it was just kind of a day when she felt like running, you know, going off on a little trip and being philosophical and musing and, and, and making the confessions. But, you know, being a pro means taking it seriously and doing it even when you no longer, even when it's no longer the thing you most want to do in your life. Maybe. Right. Last question. Um, we talk about it every year for women's tennis, where we are, we've always want want to embrace the new, but in the women's game for so long, the uh, the old guard has really just kind of hung around, and not just hung around, but really have, um, for the most part, just kept, you know kept their place up on the pedestal Williams's Kleisters in recent uh, recent years come to mind um, this year I guess I do my opinion I do sense like we are at that that tipping point possibly where um, you know the both Williams's um, Venus Williams still hasn't been back this year uh, Kleisters we know kind of her her motivation um, really is kind of focused on just a couple events this year Serena has all that we just talked about here do you sense that this year really is that kind of tipping point year where the all of the young players I think the WTA wants us to embrace and all that kind of really take over or do you not sense that at all, really? No, I said I, I sense that. Look, the winds of change are blowing pretty strong. Hey, what happens? Serena Williams talks about, you know, gets philosophical and talks about how she's suggested basically that she's kind of burned out. That's what she right. was suggesting. You know, if you read between the lines, uh, and the next day she rolls her ankle and maybe maybe out of the Australian Open. So look, you know, you know, this is a different world now, basically, and it's kind of too bad. We'd love to see Serena. We need her in there. However, I think you know we'll, we'll have to see how Kleisters, you know, reacts. You know, maybe she hit a reset button again and she's going to come out and and be dominant you know the way everyone expected her to be after her great return from her first hiatus but then that kind of fell apart uh but by i'm actually putting my faith in petra kvitova who i think i really love the way she's closed the year so strong after winning wimbledon it's almost like she got the wimbledon thing behind her closed real strong she's in a position she's literally a couple hundred points from number one Mm -hmm. and that means an awful lot i and Wozniacki, I think, is a very vulnerable number one. Rodwanska came on very strong at the end of last year. So, you know, I, I don't see a lot of talent out there. I mean, I don't see a lot of, you know, I don't, you know, maybe Bartoli can get in there and be like a top four or five player. But I don't see a lot of talent that's comparable to, say, Serena, Kleisters, uh, Venus, uh, Justine Hennon, the other women in that generation, Maria Sharapova. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see like a new wave of players of that caliber pushing the other ones out. But I do think somebody's going to have to take charge. I think Kvitova can take charge 
you know, this year. And then it's going to be tough because Wozniacki would be a very good number two or three. That's a, she's a tough girl to beat under any circumstances. A Bartoli would be a good, strong four or five because she's, she's a fighter. She's, you know, she's, she's very competitive. So, you know, things, things are changing, but it's not like we're going to have a bunch of, you know, new faces at the top. Marion Bartoli is the David Ferrer of the WT tour. I kind of, I'm going to go with that. I like I'm that. going to run with that with the future. So we'll find out about that soon enough. A couple, uh, less than two weeks, Australian Open. We'll be here to talk about it, of course. For Pete Bodo, Ed McGrogan, thanks for listening. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.